Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. Thanks, Jim Nance, as always. And we've got Arnold Palmer Invitational Week. I dare you to find a better episode, a better podcast episode than this week. And what I have here, Sam Saunders on Beyond the Clubhouse, the grandson of Arnold Palmer. And Sam has some unbelievable moments, indelible moments, indelible stories, unforgettable things that have happened at Bay Hill that he gets into some very cool things and think about just off the top of the head think about 2004 the very last Arnold Palmer Invitational where Arnie was competing remember the driver off the deck who can forget the driver off the deck we get into that story he was caddying Sam was on the bag the ear-to-ear grin after the shot uh, that he pulled off, his grandfather pulled off to impress him. What a cool moment that was. We get into that. There are so many of these to get to. 2016 was my first API, Arnold Palmer Invitational. That happened to be the very last one that we would ever see Arnold Palmer be at. Of course, he would die in September. But what a incredible stretch that was. That Thursday, he was out in his cart following his grandson Sam Saunders and it was really a special moment. Now listen, he'd done that before, but this would end up being a significant moment for fans because they would never really see him in this capacity again. He wouldn't be out there the next day. He was only out there for a few minutes on Sunday. So it really was a, a unique moment in history where fans who were there, the 300, 400 fans, late on a Thursday afternoon, day one, 2016, this would really be the last extended public appearance of Arnold Palmer's life. Remember, he played. He was in the Masters. He didn't hit the ceremony tee shot the next month. He was there, but only for a few minutes. And he really wasn't in the public eye for that long. Later on that year, it was 2016. He was 86. He was frail. He just never was really out in front of that many people. So this moment was so special. We talk about it with Sam, what it was like. Uh, to have his grandfather following him. Of course, Maverick McNeely, Ryan Ruffles were, were there as well. And just an unforgettable time. So we get into that. He also is the host. Sam Saunders now is the host of the tournament. We get into his duties, and he does have an injury. He just suffered recently, so we, unfortunately he won't be playing. We're going to let Sam explain a little bit more about that. We're going to get to Sam in just a second. Before that, Encore Golf, check out the Elixir Golf Bowl. They've got over 800 reviews. And they've got five full stars. Everyone loves what they're seeing out of the Elixir Golf Ball. It's a two-time Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner. Here's your price point, $29.99. This is a tour caliber kind of golf ball. You will get 10% off if you purchase and use my promo code B, the letter B, Clubhouse, online on EncoreGolf.com. Give that a shot. I know you're going to love it. Elixir Golf Ball. Encore Golf. Hey, who's tired of losing a $4 golf ball? You can go in there and spend $27 with my promo code after the fact. I would highly encourage you to give that a shot. EncoreGolf.com and on social media, they're all over uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Encore Golf. Let's get to it here. Sam Saunders on Beyond the Clubhouse. Okay, my next guest here is Sam Saunders. Of course, he's pro golfer and 
grandson of Arnold Palmer, the family representative slash host of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. You see him out there with the champions, of course, Francisco Molinari, Roy McElroy, last year, Tyrell Hatton. Um, Sam, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, Garrett. Thank you for having me on today. For sure, man. Well, hey, I'm looking ahead to this year, and I know you guys have talked about having some limited fans. What are you thinking about that in terms of uh, the excitement level of having fans again? Oh, it's great. You know, we were we were so fortunate, I guess, last year to be the last event uh, with a full, you know, attendance before uh, the pandemic happened. And, uh, you know, to, to see how everybody has fought through and, and brought sports back to life and really, you know, made incredible efforts to make it, you know, still something that people can watch and enjoy. And now to get to have the Arnold Palmer Invitational again this year and, and be able to have some form of fans there is, is great. I know, um, you know, it's, it's not going to look exactly the same, but I know that a, a lot of great efforts are being made so that it's as, as big and impactful an event as it can possibly be. I mean, despite not having full fans, I know, that the, the charitable impact and hopefully the, um, the experience for the players and, and fans that are there is as uh, memorable as ever. Well, that golf course, Bay Hill, I mean, I know you've said it's one of the best <laughs> golf courses on tour. There's a lot of pride uh, for your team there. T tell me about that, uh, the course, and just how, how much pride do you guys have? Well, it's, to me, it's, it's the most important thing um, in terms of, of putting on a good event. It's, it's the quality and the consistency of the, of the course that you provide for the players. And I think, you know, every, every tournament uh, that, that has had a long history, like, like Bay Hill and the Arnold Palmer Invitational, you've, there have maybe been some rough stretches. Uh, it's just, you know, climates change and, and agronomists change and, and, you know, golf courses go through ups and downs. And we, we had some, admittedly, we had some rougher years back in the early 2000s. But, uh, you know, for me, I think the last five or six years, it's just been, one of the most consistent quality golf courses on the PGA tour. It's, it's a tough challenge, but um, you know, it's fair. There's no, there's not a single player out there who could, you know, say that it's an unfair test. Difficulty does not mean um, unfair. And, and that's something that I know my granddad always liked. He wanted it to be a really tough challenge because you want the, you know, that you want the guy who not only plays the best physically, but you want the guy who can be mentally the toughest to prevail throughout the end of the week. And that's what, uh, you know, I think Bay Hill has continued to provide over the last few years. Hmm. And you've also talked about feedback in the past, really wanting to hear from the players, because oftentimes you'll tee it up um, in that event. You want to hear from the players. Okay, what's the dead honest opinion? What, are we, what, what do you like? What do you don't like? And, and how has that back and forth been? Well, it's just been a, a wonderful, unique opportunity for me. You know, I've played for um, five years on the PGA Tour, and I, I know all the guys out there. They know me. I have a good rapport with them. So, I have this, you know, opportunity as a player who is involved with a tournament as well to be able to say, hey, guys, what do you like? What do you not like? And be able to provide that feedback for our head course superintendent to, you know, the, everyone that's involved with the tournament and say, hey, this is how this is what we can do to get better. This is what <clears throat> players look for, uh, you know, when they come to a tournament, this is what players like, this is what they don't like. And we've really implemented a lot of that feedback, I think. And it's been a um, it's been a much more um, well received experience from top to bottom. Um, you know, I, I'd like to think because of that a little bit. Yes, I'd imagine it would be. Well, for for you right now, what is the status of your playing game? I know you've talked a little bit about injury here. But where are you kind of looking at in terms of these uh, upcoming future? Yeah, so I'm. It's been a 
it's been a crazy time for me. I know it's been a crazy time for a lot of people, but I've, I've kind of had the perfect storm of it all. I Going back to 2019, I had a bad year on the PJ Tour. Broke my collarbone right before the Corn Ferry Finals when I was going back to get my job. And um, came back in early 2020, played in the, um, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, obviously, last year. Played in a couple other PJ Tour events. Um, was starting to get my legs back under me. And then, you know, COVID happened, uh, put a put a slowdown on the season and um, was was really looking forward to getting back at it full time this year, carrying on through my medical exemption because I'm, I'm still exempt into the Corn Ferry finals at the end of 2021. But about three weeks ago, unfortunately, I broke my leg skiing out here wow. in Colorado. <clears throat> so uh, it's it's just I was, you know, I was actually getting ready to go play in the, um, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, which is happening this week. And uh, obviously I'm now, I've got about three months left of, of recovery and physical therapy. So um, it's unfortunate, but I'm trying to look at the bright side of things. Uh, it was a freak accident doing something that I love to do with my family. And um, it could have been a lot worse. I, I didn't tear any ligaments. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being back full swing by, by May 1st is my goal. And I'll get out there, play some Corn Ferry events, hopefully play some PJ Tour events, and be ready to um, go back to the Corn Ferry Finals in August um, and and get my PJ Tour card back full time. And and you know I look forward to the the you know the best part of my career coming up because it's it's got to happen. I've never been satisfied with with where I was. Uh, it was great to play for five years on the PJ Tour, but uh, I'd, I'd like to start winning and seeing how good I could possibly get. Mm. And where does that drive come from? I know your experience now you built up over these last few years, but where does that drive desire come from? Getting knocked down, honestly. Um, it's, it's easy to think that playing on the PGA tour is, you know, just what you do. And, and I, I took it for granted, to be honest, maybe my, I, my, my fifth year, 2019, I wasn't healthy at all. I was really struggling and I, I didn't, I, I was getting tired of the travel. You know, I have two young kids and, it was, it was wearing me out. And I admittedly, I took it for granted and I really struggled because of it and started thinking of, well, what else can I do? And, um, <clears throat> having broken the collarbone and now my leg and, and been out because of, you know, the changing, I, I see all these guys out there, my peers, my friends playing and competing and, and I miss it more than I ever thought I could. I just want to play golf right now. I, I'd give anything to be able to go out there and play 36 holes just for fun. Cause I, I can't even walk at the moment. So it's um it's it's inspired me to not only get back and work hard at my game i've i've taken care of myself and i'm i'm in you know still despite my current situation in the best shape of my life and uh really looking forward to getting back out there and 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 working hard because it's just uh it's something i'll never take for granted again i mean i when 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 i meet other people and other other friends they they ask you know what do you do for a living and i you know i tell them i play professional golf and I've never met another guy out there that doesn't say, wow, I wish I did that for a living. So I, um, I, I know I'll never um, count, not count my blessings again for being able to play. And uh, now I just want to get back to the PGA tour and, and see how good I can get. Yes. Well, you talk about your kids and, and your wife and when you guys are able to spend time, you're in Colorado now, when you guys are able to kind of take your mind off of work and other things like that, like what do you enjoy maybe when it comes to, I don't know, Amazon prime shows, or I know you're a big outdoors family. So what kind of outdoors things do you like? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big TV guy. Um, I, I, my kids, I, I argue with them every day about playing <laughs> video games. I try to get them off and get them outside. I, 
I don't believe in it. I think kids should be outside playing. So, you know, for us, we were skiing, you know, we live back here in Colorado now. And really the main reason we live here is because we love, we love the outdoors. We love hiking, uh, biking, skiing, camping. And um, that those are, you know, if I was, I mean, I, I, they're going to have a hard time keeping me off of the mountain as it is with a broken leg, but <laughs> um, no, we just, we, we, the, the silver lining in all this is we have gotten to spend so much quality time together as a family. We were, uh, on the road this summer for eight weeks in a Airstream trailer, uh, camping. We drove from Florida to California all the way back, uh, and just just had incredible adventures. So, um, you know, right now it's it's a little tough because it's it's winter time. And uh, but I, I'm even though I'm not skiing, we're gonna go up to the mountains the next couple weekends, and my wife and kids are gonna get back out there and and hit the slopes a little bit, and I'll uh, I'll hang back at the at the hotel or at a, at a house and, and cook dinner for everyone and just, just make the most of being, being outside and uh, enjoying everything that, you know, Colorado has to offer or anywhere we go. We just, we just love getting out and enjoying the outdoors. Definitely. Yeah. No, it's, it, it sounds like it. Um, well, it's interesting as your kids are getting a little bit older, they are young now, but as they're getting a little bit older, do you ever think back to like conversations with your grandpa Arnold Palmer just at, at that at their age you know what I mean just kind of seeing yourself in them at all mm -hmm. I, absolutely um I think I think I I probably am more like my grandfather was to me sometimes than even my dad was to me because I'm, I'm pretty hard on him sometimes and, and my granddad was pretty hard on me um in a good way when when I was so my older son's 12 and my younger son's seven um, my seven-year-old, he's, you know, he's, he's real good little skier, but he's, he's not really diving the sports yet. Um, my 12 year old's big kid, great athlete. And, um, he's gotten into golf a little bit, but the one thing that, you know, neither my granddad nor my father ever did was, was push me too hard to, to make me play golf. Um, they, they, it was something that I developed my own love for. And if my kids want to play golf, it needs to be something that, they want to do on their own. It, it can't be me forcing them to go to the course. Um, so I, I definitely see a little bit sometimes and, and it's, it's been really fun. Actually, I've gotten to work with my 12 year old a little bit lately because I'm, I'm not practicing myself. So when I go there, I'm, I'm literally coach. I'm out there on my crutches, you know, <laughs> hitting him with him when he's not hitting a good job. <laughs> but no, it's, it's been really cool. And I, I give him tips and I remember working with my granddad and, and, he'll ask me questions and I say, listen, just, just do what I say and see what happens. You know, we're not, I don't need you to ask me a bunch of questions about why just, just do what I'm telling you. I promise you, I know what I'm talking about here and, and he'll do it. And all of a sudden he'll hit a great shot and he kind of, his eyes get bright. He's like, wow. And I said, I, I told you, I know what I'm doing here. So just keep listening to me and you're going to be all right. <laughs> so that, that definitely reminded me of a lot of lessons with my granddad. Yeah. Well, speaking about being on the range with your granddad, I am, let's rewind the tape for a minute. I know there was that one time where you and him kind of got into it uh, for some strangers <laughs> and, and it was you kind of standing up for yourself and he was kind of poking fun at you, but you did stand up for yourself. What was that like? Uh, that was a, it was a really, it was a big moment. And now it's a really funny moment when I think back at what I said and, and how he handled it. Um, but yeah, he, he liked to, he, he knew he knew I needed to toughen up at some point. He knew I needed to have thick skin because there were always going to be a lot of, um, especially early in my career, there were being a lot of things said about me because I was Arnold Palmer's grandson. You know, people just assumed that everything was handed to me at some point, obviously they would think that. And 
he knew I would, I would hear some things I probably didn't want to hear and, and I needed to be able to handle it and not let it bother me. So, um, he'd try to, he'd try to get under my skin a little bit, especially in front of some other people. And on the range one day, he, he was poking at me in front of some, some lodge guests who came up and wanted his autograph and wanted pictures. And, you know, he said, this boy's going to end up digging ditches and he doesn't listen to me. And, and then came up and put his big giant fist in my face and said, what are you going to do if I pop you in the nose? And what I said after that, I can't say on here, but, um, I, I did tell him I would knock him out in a certain way. Um, and he, I, I, w- I can't believe I said it. It was just a natural reaction, but I was a big guy too. I wasn't, you know, when I was 22 years old, I was strong and I, I got right back in his face and, and I think he got, a, I saw a tear in his eye. He was so proud that I, I stood up to him, you know, not, not in a disrespectful way, but he was asking for it. So I gave it right back to him. That's awesome, man. That's, that's great. Well, when I think about you on the range with your grandpa, you've mentioned that so many times in the past at press conferences, other things related to the API. So you on the range with your grandpa, like what, what else comes to mind? You know, cause those are some special moments with, with Arnold, I'm sure. Honestly, there was always just this feel um, for me, especially as, as, as a young pro, 21, 22, 23 years old, we had this mutual respect at that point. And it was that moment that really changed it for us. And he, he cared so much about my success and he really, he, he was, it took him a long time to say he was proud of me. It's not something he did very often, but, but once he did, I could feel it. I knew he was, and, and it meant the world to me, but those times on the range when he'd be standing back there watching, I, I would, I was so deliberate in everything I did because I, I knew he was paying close attention and I wanted to do, I wanted to do all the things that he had taught me. I wanted to make him proud. So, you know, it's just, it, it was really cool to have him there watching me practice and, and especially on the range at the API. And, and I could also feel all the other players out there just kind of peeking over because that's, that's neat. That's something that I'm sure they wish they all um, could have that experience with. And, and anytime my granddad would go watch anyone, I think they, they all probably tried to put on their best show, you know, and that, that's how I felt every time. Interesting. Well, speaking of your granddad uh, kind of spending time uh, on <clears throat> you um, and you feeling his pride for you, 1999, you were playing there as a 14-year-old uh, with Peter Jacobson as, the, I guess, the flag bearer, if you will, with Peter um, being there with you. Yeah, I was the, what, the what, spotter on Sunday, yeah. Man, what was that like for you, your introduction to API? <clears throat> Well, it's funny because as a 14-year-old, I loved when the tournament came, but I also hated it because I couldn't practice at Bay Hill for the week. And not, you know, I, I was glad the tournament was there, but I, I always wasn't – I hated missing a day. I wanted to practice every single day as a 14-year-old. I, and I, I would always miss a couple days that week. I'd, I'd go over to Metro West and hit balls when my parents would take me over there and they had time. But that week, it was always tough. And, and Saturday night um, – I get my, my dad called me and he said, my, my, not, not Arnold Palmer, my, not my grandfather, my dad, Roy, Roy yeah. called me and uh, he said, Hey, do you want to play golf tomorrow? And I said, yeah, great. Where are we playing? And he said, you're pl- you're going to play at Bay Hill. And I, I didn't understand. And uh, they, they said, yeah, Peter Jacobson's going out first off as because he's a single and he, he asked if you would be a spotter. And I, well, I guess my granddad asked, you know, well, Peter was being nice and he said, you know, Mr. Palmer, <laughs> is there someone that you'd like me to play with as a spotter? Is there any, you know, special guest that I could entertain out there? Cause it, it does, you know, Peter, it doesn't matter. I'm the first guy off. I'm in last place. 
And my granddad said, yeah, why don't you play with my grandson? And Peter said, isn't he like 14 years old? And <laughs> there's no way he can, he's going to be able to hang out here. And uh, I remember that day, most, I remember almost every hole and how I, I, I was also just blown away with how well Peter played that day. Cause it was a tough, a tough test of golf. And he shot 69, played, played incredibly well. But I, I, I hung in there, and uh, I think I surprised Peter with not only how far I hit the golf ball as a 14-year-old kid, but um, just, just how much I could, I could do out there. And it was, a, it was a memorable day and something that, you know, I, I'm forever grateful for my granddad, really, for allowing me to do. Yeah, and he was right there down the middle of the fairway a lot of times, just really following your every move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember being on the, the 18th hole and he's sitting right there in his cart with, uh, you know, uh, on the 16th tee watching us. And I, I hit my drive up the, up the right side of the fairway and um, hit a seven iron to that back right Sunday hole location. I hit a seven iron to about, you know, 10 feet just underneath the hole. And, um, you know, it was just, it was just an incredible day and a special experience. And, and, it, it really was an introduction to what PGA Tour golf looked like. Even though I was 14 years old and you, I was a really good player, you, you really don't have a concept as to what playing in a PGA Tour event looks and feels like versus what, you know, any tough golf course is on a given day. Hmm. Interesting thought there. Well, I think about Arnold and following you there on the golf course. I was lucky to be there in 2016 when you were paired with Maverick McNeely, um, and also with Ryan Ruffles, and you guys were there on that first round. And what was that like? The whole back nine, uh, your grandfather is out there following you guys. It was it was incredibly special. I remember when I got that pairing, um, and not that I was old, but compared to Maverick and Ryan, I literally <laughs> felt like an old man out there. And I said, "This is strange. I'm here. I'm the grandson, and everybody, but I'm playing with these two kids that." you know, it, five years, if I was five years older, I could be their dads. And, <laughs> um, but they, you know, they, they were good sports and, you know, obviously it was a big situation for them. And um, they were, they were very grateful. I think some people could have looked at it as being a little distracting. You know, my granddad was literally driving down the middle of the fairway watching us. And I, I, I felt like, Oh gosh, I hope he's not making them nervous. I was kind of used to it at that point. But none of us were playing particularly well, and I remember walking down the 13th fairway, and it was it was just a unique situation because he was, I mean, he wasn't just kind of inside the ropes. He was driving down the middle of the fairway in his cart, right behind all of us. And I said, guys, I, I hope, I hope you know you're enjoying this. And they both just kind of looked at me with these big smiles on their face and like, are you kidding me? I mean, we're playing at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and Arnold Palmer is driving down the fairway watching us play in a PGA tour event, it doesn't really get any more memorable than this. So they, they handled it well. And it was something that, um, you know, only he could have done. Mm. Could you sense, cause this was obviously the last Arnold Palmer invitation we would have with your father, your grandfather alive there. 2016 was the last one. Um, but could you sense that pride that you, you've mentioned in the past? Could you sense that pride as he was watching you? Cause I know uh, Peter Jacobson joined on 16. He grabbed, Arnold's arm and Arnold didn't even flinch. He kept locked in watching you on 16, the par five. Could you sense that? Yeah. And, and I, as I mentioned you earlier, it, it took a long time for me as a player um, and really as a young man for him, you know, I know you, we've all heard the stories. His grand, his dad, Deke was, was tough on him. He didn't, we didn't say things like, I'm, you know, I'm so proud of you of what you're doing. And it took a long time for my granddad to say that to me. And, but I know, 
in that moment, he was. I, I had established myself as a as a PGA Tour player, um, and just just having him watch me do what I do out there, and I didn't like, I didn't play great. It wasn't like I was out there playing my best golf, but just I think just the sense of pride of you know for him to say, you know what, he's finally made it out here on his own. This isn't you know he he's not just you know a, a sideshow as a as a sponsor exemption every week anymore i, I was i was a full-fledged pj tour player and i think he was proud because he knew he knew it was tough um despite some of the great opportunities i had it it was tougher in a lot of ways too and i think he knew that and he, he tried to set me up for it so um he was he was proud of the fact that i got there on my own and and he was able to watch me kind of do my thing finally yeah. Well, you mentioned like the, you don't really say, hey, I'm proud of you, but he, it took a while for him to finally say it. When did he finally actually say it? Uh, it, it was, it was probably, I was probably about 23 or 24 years old. Um, but you know, that, that goes back to him working with me as a 12, 13. I mean, I was a, I was a kid and that's just, he, he would watch and he'd make small comments, but he, he just didn't say a whole lot. And, and once we, once we had that, you know, mutual respect for each other, we, we became friends. I mean, we really did. I, I was probably 22 years old, 20, maybe, maybe 21 when we really started to become friends. Um, and that's, that's going back to, you know, 2010 and 11. So, so those last five years of his life were, were really special for me. And I think they were special for him because he got me and I got him. Uh, we did the same thing for a living. I mean, I literally stayed in some of the, we talked about stuff. But, I mean, I stayed in some of the same hotels he stayed in and, and, you know, had some of these same experiences in some of these towns. Like, I mean, we were talking about Panama one time, staying in the same hotel down there and just, just traveling around and, and, and knowing and understanding that life, even though it's a lot different today than it was when he was playing on the tour, we had enough in common that, we just, we, we had this great relationship. And, and then once I made it on my own and got out there, he saw how hard I worked and he knew it was tough for me. So I think, I think that was what was that moment for him when he, when he said, Hey, I'm proud of you because he, he understood that I didn't quit. You know, it, it there was, t there were times there going back to, you know, 2000, you know, really, I guess it was like 2012, 13. I, I was still playing on, it was the nationwide tour back then or web.com tour. And I wasn't ever sure if I was going to make it to the PGA tour. It was, it was frustrating. It was a, ch it was a challenging time for me. And I finally got through it. And um, by 2015, I was a full fledged PGA tour player and, and played for the next five years out there. And I, he got to see that he got to see me go from, you know, a guy coming out of college, trying to make it as a pro to a guy who got, you know, on the corn ferry tour, had some success there, but then fought through another challenging time and, and finally made it to the PGA tour on my own. And, um, it was a, it was a proud moment for him, I think. Yes. A lot of pride. Well, with Arnold Palmer, what do you want golf fans to really kind of remember about him now as we are five years after his passing? Gosh, I mean, just his, man, it, it's, it's so tough because so many great things, there are so many great stories and, and people that continue to, um, tell his, his great story, but, uh, it, it would just be his positive attitude, his positive impact, his, his ability to give back. Um, and this is, this is a tough time for a lot of people. I know that. And, and I, I keep thinking 
as to, you know, how he would be handling this world right now and this time. And, and I'd like to think that he would just say, Hey, you know, you know, pick your chin up and just keep going. So I, I think his, um, his never quit attitude is probably something I want people to remember this year, particularly. And, um, and also his, his philanthropic side, you know, give back to people, help people just be kind, be kind to people. Um, that, that would be his emphasis. And I want people to remember that, that this year it's about looking people in the eye, you know, smiling and, and just, just being kind to your fellow neighbor and treating people like you want to be treated. Cause I think we all need a little bit of that right now. Yes, we all definitely do. Um, well, Hey, I'm thinking about, um, your grandfather and just what, what is it about spending time with him? Um, you know, I know a lot of these golf fans, they didn't get to maybe, maybe they got autographs and whatnot, but, but what, what is something about his personality that uh, maybe people wouldn't have gotten if they didn't spend as much time as you did? Oh, um, he, he had a really good sense of humor, honestly. Um, <laughs> he enjoyed, he enjoyed being one of the guys sometimes, you know, I, I, some of my fondest memories are sitting down there in the locker room with him and, and some of the, some of his good buddies playing cards, obviously having a drink and, um, and telling some good stories. You know, I, I think people would have, would have really appreciated his good sense of humor. It was, it was pretty dry sometimes. Um, but, but he always had a really good delivery on his, he didn't, he didn't tell jokes. He wasn't a you know big jokester like that, but when he, when he hit you with something, it was, it was good. There was a lot of quality to, to his humor. There wasn't a ton of quantity, but the quality was always good. Well, give us an idea here. I mean, there's got to be some amazing one-liners from over the years. Oh God. I, <laughs> I don't know about one-liners and, um, or delivery oh, on man. something, something funny. I, I can't even, I can't even think of it, but there, there were just some good stories. And, um, there, there was one particular story, um, where he and Dal Finsterwald were coming back from a, some charity event and they, they were going down from Orlando basically to uh, the West Palm area. And they, they were in a, a limo together going to the next thing. And, they had some, and there was another guy there. I can't remember who it was, but they, they had some drinks on the way down and they were staying on the intercoastal. Well, they decided there was a boat there and they went out late in the evening on this boat. And one way or another, <laughs> they got stuck on a sandbar. And again, the way he tells the story was just incredible, but somehow they ended up stuck there. And the only way they could get saved was for Dow to, for some reason, lit his pants on fire and put him on a stick and <laughs> got rescued from a sandbar out in the middle of the intercoastal, you know, among the, among the residential area there. So, you know, they, they, they had a good time, you know, and that's something that, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't really realize about that, that era of when they played is the camaraderie between players and the friendships were, were really solid because players were forced to travel together. You know, it's, they weren't all flying on their private jets from one tournament to another. And they, they drove a lot. They, they caravan, they went to dinner together with, with families. And um, it, it definitely provided a lot of good friendships for them out there. And I, I know uh, when I think about, you know, Dal Finsterwald particularly because he was a guy who lived at Bay Hill and, and you know, they, they were, they were lifelong friends there and, and they, they certainly could tell some good stories. And, and the, the best thing is when, when they told a story, everyone in the entire locker room would just, would pay attention. Even people that didn't know them, they would kind of just try to lean an ear over there and get in on, on this story. So they were, they were good friends and certainly had some good times. 
Well, you talk about Dow. There's so many people. I know Kelly Tillman, Jimmy Roberts, people that are involved with Bay Hill. But um, the friendships of golf, you know, Beyond the Clubhouse, my podcast, is so much about the friendships we all make from golf. So who are some of the friends that come to your mind because of the game? Well, I mean, a lot of his, you know, nearest and dearest friends are, are people that, you know, maybe they weren't professional golfers or TV stars, but, you know, I think about uh, just, just his group of guys down at, down at Bay Hill. You got Bill Dameron who, you know, Robert Dameron played on the PJ tour and Bill Dameron was his father. He and my granddad are very good friends. Uh, Bruce Walters, um, another one of his good buddies. And then and, and Dick Ferris, uh, former CEO of United, uh, board member with my granddad out at Pebble Beach, just, you know, these guys all had a connection through golf and, um, you know, they ended up having business relationships sometimes, but golf is what brought them together. And, um, you know, these are guys who spent endless hours with them um, and, and really personal time that a lot of people didn't get to spend and, and their friendships were, they, they were close with them till the end. And it's, it's tough. I remember, you know, the, the environment at Bay Hill certainly changed sometimes for those guys when my granddad wasn't around anymore. And, um, it, it's tough. It's tough to see the changing dynamic there, but I, I know that those those guys were friends for life, and and you know they they definitely valued each other's relationships, and and you know to be able to be treated normally. I think that's something that you know my granddad being such a a superstar in a way, he just it, it was hard for him to have genuine friendships with with people who who just liked him because of him not because of being the golfer or the pilot or you know yeah. the tv star it was they, they were friends with the guy and that that's what he appreciated about guys like that and um you know lifelong memories for sure definitely well as we wrap up here i'm just curious like what do you miss most about your grandfather arnold uh just just getting to talk to him getting to see him you know this has been it's been a tough time for me you know wanting to get back to the game being hurt and um, just being in an interesting world we're in right now. And, uh, I, I would, I would value his wisdom a lot right now. I wish, I wish I could pick up the phone and give him a call. And I think he would, he would really help me keep, stay positive and stay tough during these times. And, uh, even though I, I'm not able to talk to him or see him, I, I can, I can draw back on so many good conversations we've had and, and valuable lessons he's given me to, um, to keep going and to, to inspire myself to get back where I should be. So um, gone, but never forgotten is, you know, what they say. Yes. Well, you're going to be uh, obviously in the role there as a family kind of host, if you will. Um, you had a better word for it. Family representative. Okay. Family representative. <laughs> but you're injured. We can call it host. <laughs> okay. But you're injured. So it's going to be an, an interesting dynamic here in the lead into this Bay Hill. What are you, what are you looking forward to? Well, I mean, again, silver lining. I, I, I love playing. I wish I was playing this year. Um, but it's hard because when I'm playing, I really want to focus on trying to play my best. So I, I, I try to do as much of the other stuff as I can. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm far more focused on my own game. So this year, to be able to really focus on, you know, the tournament and my role and, and trying to promote the Arnold Winnie Palmer Foundation, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and just really – make it as, as quality event as, as I possibly can with, with my role, um, it, it's going to be nice. And, and to get to interact with the players and really talk to them all, go around, see, you know, just see how everything's going. I, I honestly, what I'm looking forward to the most is just, and hopefully I'm not on my crutches at that point, but I'm looking forward to limping around the range and just, and just talking to all the guys. I mean, I, I miss all my friends. I miss, I miss my peers and getting to play golf with them. 
uh, week in, week out out there. So uh, looking forward to seeing some familiar faces. And, and then, like I said, just getting some good feedback from everybody. And, um, you know, hopefully I can do some TV stuff and, and uh, talk about, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do there down at Bay Hill and, uh, you know, what the future of the Arnold Palmer Invitational looks like. Because I can tell you it's, it's very bright. You know, we're, it's not – we're not just sitting still. Uh, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And, and there are a lot of really great plans in place to not only enhance the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but just, just enhance the whole experience down there at Bay Hill and, and you know, provide that world-class experience, not just for the players during the, PGA, uh, during the week of the PGA Tour event, but, you know, a, as a place that anybody can go and play and, and experience Bay Hill, but also experience the, the memory and legacy of Arnold Palmer. Yes. Well, I'd be remiss because when you talk about Arnold Palmer Invitational, everyone always sees the footage of 2004, the driver off the deck. You were caddying for Arnold. That was his last one he played in. What was that moment or, or, the, or those last few holes like? Oh, it was it was great. <laughs> Just the, to see the complete adoration that the fans had for him. I mean, what's funny is he wanted to play well, and he, was always, he always walked that line of, of enjoying it to being embarrassed. And I remember <laughs> him – you know, his biggest thing was he didn't want to embarrass himself. And he, and he took a lot of pride in, in playing, playing well. But, I mean, he was, he was a lot older, and it was tough at that point. But um, in that moment, uh, gosh, it was – my favorite part about it was he, he kind of forgot about embarrassing himself there, and it was more about he wanted to impress me because um, I was a good player, and, and, and I didn't think he had that shot. So <laughs> I, I tried to call him off of it, but uh, he, he – he gave everything he had to impress me in that moment. And I think that's why you saw that big smile on his face. Cause he, he knew he did. What do you mean you try to call him off? He's like driver. You're like, what? I said, no, you're going to, you hit driver. You're going to slice it into the water. I mean, <laughs> we're hitting off of a concrete fairway right now. They're just, I mean, it's a tight lie. There's just no chance, but he got a lot of right hand in that thing. And, uh, was able to was able to turn it over and it, it, it was a great shot absolutely but he he was I know he was proud to pull it off well, Sam Saunders thanks for joining me here on Beyond the Clubhouse great catching up with you man thanks a lot Garrett best of luck we'll see you soon all right my thanks to Sam Saunders what an unbelievable story that we heard there some of those past Bay Hill invitationals uh Arnold Palmer invitationals now as they're called I I loved it I loved the moments uh, that he described with his grandfather and really kind of what he what Ar- what would Arnie do in these COVID times how would he take this on and I love kind of the perspective that he thinks his grandfather would have uh put you know pick your chin up <laughs> you know and just uh you know, don't drag your feet. Like, I, I love it. So anyway, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, that's Sam Saunders, the grandson of Arnold Palmer, of course, the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week. Should be a good one. Strong field. And you can see so many. Uh, these are some of the best video clips that I'm going to put together here from a um, interview. And it's going to be this week on Instagram. It's going to be all over there uh, with this Sam Saunders interview at Garrett Johnston Golf as well as at Beyond the Clubhouse Podcast. Same thing on Twitter at Johnston Garrett and at Beyond Clubhouse. Very sentimental moments that only this guy, Sam Saunders, can describe about. Arnold Palmer in only the way that he can. I mean, just based on his experience. Really a cool thing. Hope you enjoy this perspective from Sam Saunders. Best of luck to him on his recovery. And uh, thanks again for joining here on Beyond the Clubhouse.